0: commander family what is up guys and welcome back to another amazing episode of the bleeding bng podcast episode 54 so if you're checking this out on youtube be sure to like comment and subscribe we're loving the interactions we're quickly getting closer and closer to 300 followers and we're loving the interactions and all the comments that you guys have been leading and all the feedback and support that you guys have been showing you guys have been showing a lot more love on youtube and i i appreciate it and if you're checking this out on any podcast platform but specifically on apple Podcasts or spotify Please leave a rating and please leave a review. We're trying to finesse these algorithms so that the Bleeding B&G podcast is the number one content hub for everything Washington Commander. So as soon as you hit that Washington Co., we want to be the first thing that pops up. And you guys leaving reviews and things like that help finesse those algorithms. So as I said before, thank you guys for tuning into another episode of the Bleeding B&G podcast to give you a timestamp as I do for every episode Today is Monday, May 9th, and it's about eight o'clock p.m. So over the course of the weekend, the Washington um, Commanders actually wrapped up their rookie minicamp. So that's what today's episode is going to be mostly about. But we're going to be doing a rookie minicamp ra- a rookie minicamp roundup, roundup, a rookie minicamp roundup. Excuse me, that was a tongue twister there. And then we'll also be giving you guys our list for the three most productive rookies that we think are going to produce in the two thousand and twenty-two season. Not necessarily the guys who are going have the best careers, but these are the guys that we think are going to be instant contributors and guys that um, are going to be contributing in a big time way um, come September. And like we said, we don't think that these are going to be necessarily the best players. We don't think that these guys are going to necessarily have the best career paths. But these are who we think are, um, you know, set to really produce coming into this season. You know, um, the thing for this draft is drafting a lot of older players um, as opposed to the 2021 draft where we drafted a lot of developmental guys. These are guys that are expected to contribute right away. If you look from round one all the way to round seven, um, these are guys that have been talked about um, and talked upon of, guys that are expected to contribute immediately. Uh, So we're going to give you our list um, of our three most impactful rookies. Heading into the twenty-two, uh, two thousand and twenty-two season, but just to give you some um, notes, going over our rookie mini cap roundup, some notes to cover our rookie mini roundup, to cover our you know highly coveted first round draft pick, Jahan Dotson. There was actually a story that I loved. Um, and I think that everybody touched bases on it um, now at this point. But there was actually a story that I loved about Jahan Doxson actually ready to miss his graduation at the University of Penn State on Saturday um, to attend rookie minicamp. But then Coach Rivera actually told him, like, no, no, go. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And as a college graduate, as myself, this is something that I just found. I was amazed at, you know, Um as an educator, uh, it shows that Coach Rivera values the ed- education aspect of life. And it shows that, you know, he knows what's important in life. Um, You know, you only get one time to graduate undergrad in college. As you know, you can graduate numerous times. But the undergrad, getting your bachelor's, that's something special. And that's, you know, usually the first stepping stone uh, in pursuing other degrees and things like that. So I love that from both sides. I love the fact that Jahan Dotson is absolutely willing to miss it, uh, even though he may not have went to. And I love the fact that Coach uh, Rivera persuaded him to go. That just falls in line with everything that we saw with Jahan um, over the course of the last week's. We drafted him Of everything we've heard about We heard about how great of a guy he is We heard about how uh, hard of a worker he is We heard about how he helps around the campuses And things like that Um, I really enjoyed his interview with J.P. Finley When he got to talk about his mom um, Having cancer and things like that Um, That was a very touching interview So if you guys haven't checked out that interview Please be sure to do that um, Because that was an amazing, amazing interview And it was a really good job um, Really well job uh, Really well job Really well done job by Mr. Finley. Um, but, I mean, everything that we've seen is like, Jahad Dyson seems to be a Terry McLaurin light. Uh, somebody that is experienced. Somebody that we expect to contribute instantly and we're talking about instant contributions as we're going to be talking about later in this episode terry bercorn was that if you guys can remember his 65 yard bomb touchdown in his first play uh nfl game against the philadelphia eagles in 2019 and that's something that i would like to see from Jahan Dodson as well somebody that has an instant impact and you know from the looks of rookie minicamp it seems that you know he's going to have the opportunity to uh and it is and before i get into all these players guys before i get into all these players. Keep in mind that is this is rookie minicamp, so you have to take a grain of salt with all this information that I'm giving you. And I also, um, I don't have much information on guys like Philandon Mathis, um, Christian Holmes, and you know, Chris, um, Chris Paul. First of all, those guys are linemen, and you know, there's absolutely there's. there's basically negative hitting uh, minicamp, there's no hitting at all, so you can't really see what the linemen are doing in the trenches and things like that, you can get a good sense of their athletic profile, but I didn't really see any news and notes coming out about, you know um, those particular players and things like that, Um, but you know, so don't expect too many notes on Philander Mathis and Chris Paul, Um, The few things I heard, I heard that, you know, Philandon Mathis is a guy that was running from station to station uh, being a leader, being vocal Um, everything that you heard from Alabama and I've heard that, you know, Chris Paul looks like a physical a freak. If you look at his raw athletic score um, numbers, I think he scored like a 9.42, which is amazing. That's coming all, all NFL tackles that have been drafted from a certain point. Um, not just this draft class. So he has an elite athletic profile, especially for a guard, um, which he's projected to play in Washington. Um, so those are the just few no news and notes I have about those guys. But as far as the rookie minicamp roundup, Jahan Dotson, it was told that he was looking fast. He was looking quick off the line. Um, a lot of people were talking about his catch radius and things like that. That's going to be a talking point all season, guys. Not just with Jahan Dotson. That seems to be the new hot word. Catch radius. Catch radius. So we may have to start a drinking, j- drinking game come September. Uh, take a shot every time you hear the word catch radius. You might be drunk by the second quarter. Because that seems to be the new it word around the Washington Commander team. You know, last year it was Buffalo old nickel. In year one, it was positional flex and things like that. Um, so, so. So catch radius, catch radius, that seems to be the, um, the the talk of the town amongst the Washington Commanders um, community. Um, but, you know, Jahan Dotson seems to exude it for a guy that's not that big. This is a guy that's what, about 5'11", sub 180 pounds. So for him to, for a lot of people, for numerous people to be talking about his catch radius at this point, not just the Washington B reporters, you're a draft analyst uh, talking about it and things like that. It has to be a real thing. Has to be a real thing, and it's, it's a positive sight to see. I heard that his route runner was crisp. This is something that we heard, um, or this is something that we saw actually um, him put on display in the college game over at Penn State. This is a guy that is a Chris route runner. Um, he was one of the best route runners in the in the NFL draft. Um, as I mentioned before, he may not have been as refined um, as you know Chris Olave running the route tree, um, but he ran just as many, if not more, routes than anybody in the entire class, Chris Olave included. So I'm excited from what I've seen, uh, from what I've heard and what I saw um, from the mid- few highlights um, that I saw from the rookie minicamp out of Jahan Dodson. I expect him to be a, um, a pretty good contributor um, into this season and it's it's now what's left is to see how he falls on our list of this instant contributor list uh, but going down the list Mr. Brian Robinson Jr. our running back like I told you this is our third round pick we're not going to have too much information on defensive tackle for Landon Mathis because there's not much to show as a defensive tackle in rookie minicamp but um, the guy Brian Robinson Jr. this guy was huge and all the clips that I saw, this guy was big in every clip. I'm talking about far away angles, near angles. And it wasn't necessarily a thickness. This guy was just, like, tall. He's a big back. Um, and he has similar measurables to Antonio Gibson. But he looks like he might put it on just a little bit better. Um, as as I've mentioned before, I haven't really heard it talk about amongst the Washington commanders community. But Antonio Gibson is about a to 230-pound back. But I think that he's put on a lot of bad weight since he's entered the NFL and he's lost a lot of his explosiveness as a result if you guys can remember when we were talking about drafting Antonio Gibson and when we drafted Antonio Gibson this was a guy that scored on like Almost every eight touches, so the explosiveness was there. Then he ran a four-three-nine forty at the combine, at you know over two hundred and twenty pounds. So the explosiveness is there, but it seems like he doesn't have the same body type. And I understand it changing positions and things like that. But he has um, he has lost some explosiveness. Like it's evident. It's evident even in like his most explosive play as a Washington Commander, Washington Redskins, Washington football team member. Um, his seventy-three yard touchdown against the Buffalo Bills. He even ran down He even got ran down on that play. I mean, Tre'Davious White didn't run; um, wasn't strong enough to uh, actually bring him down and tackle him. So he ended up dead scoring on that play. But in his most explosive moment, he didn't necessarily show the four-three-nine speed. Um, and this is a guy that you know. They've been talking about for the last three years, but specifically since we drafted Brian Robinson, trying to get the ball um, in space for Antonio Gibson. So I think a guy like Brian Robinson has the pro- has the profile and the um build to you know take those inside touches, take that that work ho- workhorse type running back. Now, while I'm not expecting him to take the the initial share, the lion's share of the carries from Antonio Gibson initially. There, it wouldn't be surprised me if he's the guy um, that's ended up being your running back one over the course of you know November and December when the football has to get physical and they don't want this big back, this 6'2, 225 pound back leaning on him for carry after carry taking a pounding. Um, but one thing that I saw and one thing that I actually like from um, Ricky Minicamp from a, from multiple reporters from John Kahn and Rick Snyder included who are some of the most credible reporters in my eyes regarding the Washington Commanders because they're they're always you know reasonably optimistic and they're all, always you know skeptical when they need to be um, and they don't have you know the the, the pom poms and the cheerleaders on like some of the Washington Commander um, beat reporters and that's not shade it's just me bigging up John Kahn and Rick Snyder but both of those guys said that you know Brian Robinson Jr. showed good hands. And that was probably my favorite thing to come out of the entire weekend because this is a guy that we weren't even necessarily chalking up to be a pass catching back. Or to even catch passes. You don't have to be a pass catching back per se to catch passes. But we didn't think this was something that we, uh, he can do. And I heard a lot of the reasons that he failed, even though a lot of people talked about we were reaching for him, um, was the fact that, you know, he didn't contribute much in the pass game. So the fact that multiple people saw that, you know, he was contributing in the pass game, that's a positive, And that's a plus, especially for a big bruiser back with the measurables but, that I listed before. Um, if we can get him out in space with Antonio Gibson, these are guys with similar measurables um, that can and take a pound it on those second level defenders, especially corners and safeties. Um, and um, I'm really excited about Brian Robinson Jr. I think I'm more excited about him than a lot of the other people in the Washington Commander community. Going to Cole Turner, this seems to be the talk of the rookie minicamp. Um, Coach Ron Rivera talking him up, Coach Scott Turner talking him up, almost everybody talking this guy up. And I'm looking to see it. Because I went back and I watched a little bit of Cole Turner tape after we drafted him. And while I'm not low on him per se, because what he does, he does well. um, And he does exceptional. And that's breaking off at the catch point. He's a lean on you at the top of the route to create space type of guy. Before a move tight end, he is not quick at all. He is not quick at all. And these are some of the skeptic skepticisms that I had going into the weekend, but the rave reviews continue throughout the weekend. again, those two um, reporters that I mentioned before and John Kahn and Rick Snyder said that this guy, both of both of them, both of them said that this guy is going to contribute this season. I think John Cobb went as far as saying that this guy is going to wow this season. And I think that Coach Rivera said something along the lines of the same thing. This is a 6'6 guy um, who, as, as a former basketball player, he doesn't necessarily show basketball-type movements to me. But what he does show is that rebounding capability, that boxing out capability. Like I said, I don't think that he's the necessarily the most elite, agile, athletic, quick move tight end. But to contribute in the pass game, you don't you don't necessarily need those things. You need to be elite at one thing, and the one thing that he's elite at is something that you know a guy like Jason Witten, who was who I'm faster than right now who I think I was faster and since I was about 10 years old. That's one thing. that he, And he's going to be a gold jacket guy. So I'm not shading J- Jason Witten by any means. But brother was slow as molasses, if we're being honest. My boy, my boy was slow as molasses. And Cole Turner gives me a lot of these same vibes. So I think he's a little more explosive than Jason Witten. I think that he's elite at breaking off at the catch point, leaning on guys, using his body, using his frame to box out. Um, and I think that this is a reason why, you know, we went and got a guy like Jahan Dotson or we're not nervous um, with having a guy like Cam Sims being our only guy that's over like 6-3 over the roster um, at the receiver position. Because if you look at our tight end room, guys, if you look at our tight end room. It, it, it's a bunch of monsters you got six seven logan thomas you got almost six seven cole turner you got six five john bates you got six seven seven east reyes like it, oh my god it's a it's lions and tigers and bears oh my it's a bunch of monsters in that tight end room and i think that's that's why you know i was harping you know I, washington I, I i still believe that drake london um, was number the number one wide receiver on their board um, for a plethora of reasons. I think that the reason why they weren't you know necessarily panicking after the Drake London selection to Atlanta is because they were like, all right, cool. Carson loves his tight ends, which we know Carson wants to do. Um, just look at his track record with a guy like Zach Ertz. Um, let's go ahead and load him up with these big basketball-type um, tight ends that have just box dudes out, and they can serve as these wide receiver roles. If you look at Cole Turner's tape from the University of Nevada, this was a guy that was never really in line. So, don't expect him to be an inline blocker by any means. He was split out wide, though. He was using the slot. He was using the ways that, you know, um, the Dolphins kind of use Mike Gasecki. And while I don't think he's as explosive, I think that they have similar catch radiuses and I think that they have similar ball skills. So, if we can get Mike Gasecki type um, production out of a guy, like per- uh, a guy like Cole Turner, that's an A plus um, draft pick in the fifth round. Going on to Percy Butler. While, you know,. Just like, you know, his college film, there wasn't many highlights or there wasn't any much news coming out of uh, regarding Percy Butler. I heard a lot of people talking about how good he was on special teams as a gunner, but that was expected. This is a guy that, you know, they were talking about was the best special team in the draft, which we seem to love. That trend has seemed to follow us with Terry McLaurin. That trend to seem to follow us with Troy Apkey over different regimes. That trend to seem to follow us with a guy like Khalil Hudson. For Christ's sakes. So we seem to love the draft, the uh best special teamer in the draft. And I heard that, you know, he was as advertised in this in the special teams drills. But like I said, it's 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 rookie minicamp. The hitting is negative. Um, so it's a guy like Percy Butler who's as exposed to running a 4 3 like Percy Butler. I expect him to, you know, show some speed, flying down as a gunner and things like that. But the thing that stuck out to me about Percy Butler is that in his interview with Julie Donaldson. Um, Coach Rivera all but chalked up Percy Butler to be not necessarily the Buffalo nickel, but to play at least 53% sna- uh, of the snaps on defense. He kept alluding to, and they wasn't even necessarily talking about the safety position. They were talking about Percy Butler in particular. He kept alluding to how they used the three safety set uh, 53% of the time. And they were, he was talking, Percy's going to play. Percy's going to play. So if you include those 53% of the snaps and include what the, the 12 the 15 snaps that he'll play um, as, you know, a special teamer to start out because Coach Ron Rivera in that uh, interview that I just mentioned with Julie Donaldson almost said it as if he'll start out on special teams, but I don't know how long he's going to last there because we're going to need him on defense as well. So I'm excited for a guy like Percy Butler. I have, um, I was able to get my hand on a little bit of, more, uh, a couple more clips since you know our selection and since you know I did our draft recap and things like that. And this guy's rangy, y'all. This guy's explosive. Um, he does have a, a little bit of inconsistency as a tackle, I think that's because he's he's such a heat heat missile. He doesn't necessarily break down at the tackling point and things like that. But that's something that could be coached up. Uh, but he's willing to stick his nose in there. And the last guy that I'm going to talk about is quarterback Sam Howe, who a lot of us consider the steal of the draft, and a lot of draft analysts consider the steal of the draft. Uh, uh, this is a, a erratic weekend for Sam Howe from what the reports that I read. I heard that he was selling a couple of balls and things like that. But just as you take the positive from rookie minicamp with a grain of salt, you have to take the negative. You got to remember, this is a guy that hasn't nece- necessarily worked with these receivers ever. And this is a guy that's coming into a new situation, just getting acclimated with this playbook. Um, one thing that I did see from the videos is he looked tinier than that 6'1", 225-pound me- uh, measurements that, you know, he was listed at. Um, and that may be him being uh, standing next to a guy like Cole Kelly or, you know, 6'7", um, undrafted free agent behemoth of a man at the quarterback position. Um, but uh, I heard that Sam Howell did have a, a nice deep ball to the um, Ohio State um, UDFA that we brought in. Um, so this is a guy that they can bounce back. Um, this is a guy that, you know, the moment's not too big for him. Um, and I think that's what was the exact term that I heard J.P. Finley use. Um, so that's something that you're looking for at the quarterback position. All right. So now to move to my favorite part of this episode or what I've been looking forward to, um, to this episode before we get you out of here. We're going to give you guys our Bleeding BNG, our list for the three rookies to make the biggest impact in 2022. The three rookies to make the biggest impact in 2022. Um, like I said, we earlier in this episode, we don't necessarily think these are going to be the best players. We don't necessarily think that these guys are going to have the best careers, but these are the guys that we think are going to be impactful and have the most impact to winning uh, for the Washington Commanders in the 2022 season. So for our honorable mention, Jahan Dotson. Jahan Dotson, our first-round pick, um, the 16th overall pick in the NFL draft. I know a lot of you guys are going to kill me for that because our number one, our first-round draft pick should be our number one contributor heading into the season. But I just think that some of his his opportunities are going to be limited. Um, I think that we're still high on De'Ami Brown. I think that that's one of the reasons why we brought in Sam Howe. I think that we're going to – we got to remember, we spent pretty, pretty high capital on a guy like – Curtis Samuel going into the 2021 season um, and the 2021 offseason. This guy has about $11 million cap hit for this year. So that's not mint money. That's not maybe money at all. So this is a guy that if he's healthy and on the field, they're going to try to get him the ball. And if we're expecting Terry McLaurin, to sign a mega monster deal like like we we expect over here Bleeding B&G. As I told you guys before, I'm expecting um, numbers around, you know, four years, $96 million, somewhere along those lines, which is a monster deal. You're going to have to give him about 10 to 12 targets a game. So I just don't think that, there, you know, in year one, I don't think that the targets are going to be there. I think that, you know, Curtis Samuel and Jahan Dotson are going to be interchangeable in a slot. But I think that um, De'Ami Bryant is going to take a lot of those boundary um um, receiver reps. Um, uh, from Jahan Dotson as he gets more acclimated with the playbook. Now later in the year, um, he may surpass uh, Deami on the depth chart as far as the boundary receiver because I think that he he's going to be starting and interchanging with Curtis Samuel from the slot from the jump. But he may interchange, um, with you know he may surpass Deami as you know the penciled in wide receiver two that's not coming off the field later in the season. I don't think that that's necessarily going to happen. Uh, throughout training camp and into September so our honorable mention is Jahan Dotson I think that he's going to have a year um, around somewhere around you know 550 to 650 yards which isn't bad at all around you know four touchdowns but I think that he's going to provide you guys with a couple of splash plays it's going to make you be like yeah yeah this is it this is We, we found one we found one and while it may not be this year him and Terry pairing up to be a scary duo for years to come. If Terry signs that long term deal that we expect him to sign, can be um, a scary thing. So for number three, number three on our list is defensive tackle Fedarian Mathis. And I know a lot of you people are like, "What? A defensive tackle? That's not sexy. That's not sexy at all." But let me tell you why. The, why I think that he's going to be the the. One of the more biggest contributors, more instant contributors from this rookie cast. Jack Del Rio just mentioned it in his interview with Julie Donaldson. He said right now that Padarian Mathis is right now our penciled in as our third defensive tackle. And here's a stat for you. Between um, Matt Ioannidis and Tim Saddle, two of the defensive tackles that we lost throughout this offseason, we all have to replace 75% of the snaps. Matt Ioannidis played about 60% of the snaps last year. Tim Settle played around 15 to 17 depending on where you look. That's about, uh, like I said, that's about 75% of the snaps if you combine them. And just for the simple fact of numbers, Fiderio Mathis is going to play. And if this is a guy that shows the same pass rush acumen that he sold his last year at Alabama, totaling nine sacks, and he's able to push the pocket, this is a guy that I wouldn't be surprised if he's playing more sub packages than a guy like Deron Payne, who we're expecting to not be here next year. And just in, as a case, as, as I just mentioned with Jahan Dotson, while a lot of this stuff may not happen in September, I fully expect it to happen over the course of the year, especially if we're losing and things like that and we want to get developmental guys in. Um, so this is a guy that he's going to play right away. Everybody seems to be talking up his um, his run stuff and abilities and things like that. And just for the simple fact of numbers and the fact that defensive linemen and, and linebackers, they, they rotate so often throughout an NFL game, he's going to play. And I think that he's going to produce because the talent is there. So, at number three, defensive tackle for Darian Meredith from the University of Alabama. Number two is a guy that we just mentioned a couple of minutes ago. It's Percy Butler. Percy Butler. And that may shock a lot of you guys is because – like I said, there's not a lot of film out there on Percy Butler. There wasn't a lot of talk leading up into the draft. This wasn't a guy that was projected to be an undrafted free agent by any means, but there just wasn't a lot of film um, outside of, you know, in the NFL draft circles, you being able to assess that and things like that. He didn't come from a big school, and his measurables aren't, you know, eye-popping. This is just a regular Joe Smoke who's explosive and shows, you know, tremendous range. And this is a guy that played at the University of Louisiana, Uh, Brian Mitchell's old school. And I think that he's going to produce. Like they said, he's the best special teamer in the draft, so he's going to get on that field. We know he's going to get on the field instantly, whether he contributes on defense right away or not, just on the sheer fact of special teams. This is a guy that I think is going to knock a guy like Troy Apke off the roster. So for the simple fact that DBs play so much, DBs rotate so much, as I just mentioned with defensive linemen, he's going to play, and as I mentioned, Coach Rivera kept talking about the number 53% of snaps. And I think that we this 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 um, front office and this coaching regime have higher aspirations aspirations for a guy like Percy Butler than guys like um, than the people that make up the Washington Commander community that necessarily that thought that we um, reached for a guy like that. This is a guy I, I love everything about him from the few interviews that I saw um, that he's had since. This is a guy a few words and he seems to be about business. This is a guy that'll stick his nose in there and like I said, that range that four three speed he plays at it. Now, he may not have the best angle sometimes, but it's not like a, a case of Troy Apke, who also has a 4'3 speed, but has p- horrible depth of perception and horrible eyes. Yeah, Troy Apke can get there really fast, but if you run into the wrong spot, what good does that do you? Um, this isn't a Troy Apke situation at all. This is a guy that I think might end up being our uh, most, you know, impactful rookie um, in, you know, 2020. Uh, this is a guy that I think can have, you know, rookie camp curl-like impact um, for this defense uh, in a plethora of positions, whether that be in the free safety position or playing the Buffalo nickel. And at number one, and at number one, this may be a controversial. Uh, I know there's a lot of people in the Washington Commanders fan that make up the Antonio Gibson Hive, and they're not going to like this. But at number one, we have running back Brian Robinson uh, from the University of Alabama. And the reason that we're going to put Brian Robinson number one is because I think there is potential and true potential that he can supersede Antonio Gibson for that RB1 role. If you listen to Coach Ron Rivera in that interview that I mentioned a thousand times before in this episode with Julie Donaldson, he said that Brian Robinson Jr. was a need for that room. Was a need for that room. He feels that they need a more natural runner, a more bruiser back, and he wants a guy that does not fumble. He wants a guy that does not fumble. And I think that that's going to be the, the edge up that he has on a guy like Antonio Gibson. I think that our philosophy going into this year with all these speedster receivers and things like that, and Carson, who I'm not the highest on, but can throw the ball over uh, Country Mile. He can throw the ball 70 yards down the field. I think that we're going to look to make it a track meet in the first half, uh, throwing bombs over Baghdad, spreading everybody out, uh, throwing deep shots to Diami throwing deep shots to Terry, throwing deep shots to Curtis Samuel. Deep shots to Jahan Dotson. And I think that in the second half, we're going to be looking to sit on leads um, and, you know, waste clock, uh, hoping that we're in the lead um, with that strategy that we have in the first half. You know, the bombs over Baghdad type strategy. I think that we're going to be looking to sit on the lead and having a bruising back that can churn yards out, that can move the chains and things like that. And that's everything that Brian Robinson is. And this is a guy that he's already a better pass protector than Antonio Gibson. I'm telling you that now. And with the reports coming out of rookie minicamp that he's showing pretty good hands as well, I'm very excited for the prospects of what Brian Robinson Jr. can do for this season. I expect him to already be, you know, heading in goal line touches and things like that. And we're really, if you listen to Scott Turner and Ron Rivera, they're almost talking as if they're going to be using Antonio Gibson more like a gadget type player. And unless you're Debo Samuel, Gadget type players don't necessarily touch the ball more than eight to ten times a game. So if that's the case, and if that's the role that they're you know pigeonholing Antonio Gibson to be in, I think that a guy like uh, Brian Robinson Jr. has the capabilities of being that workhorse back, and I think that he may have the opportunity. Uh, throughout the course of the 2022 season. So that's it for our Bleeding B&G list of the three most impactful rookies we think are going to have the biggest impact in this 2022 season. And that's it for episode 54 of the Bleeding B&G podcast. If you guys love this episode, if you guys love me, be sure to check our social media pages out. Our Instagram is at Bleeding b That's B-L-E-E-D-I-N-G. BNG, our Twitter handle is at bleeding BNG, B-L-E-E-D-I-N-B-N-G. So there's only one G in our Twitter handle. Be sure to check us out over there on Instagram. We're posting daily, daily um, posts, daily comments, daily, uh, daily conversations and things like that. And on Twitter, you know, we love chit-chatting with our Washington Commander community. We love when our tweets go viral. We love talking about, you know, we, this week we just had a viral tweet. We just chopped it up with DJ Swearinger, um, trying to get him on the podcast as we speak. Uh, but we love just we love Washington Commander football, and we love talking to you guys. As I mentioned earlier in the podcast, if you're checking this out on YouTube, be sure to comment, like, and subscribe. We're getting closer and closer to 300, and I'm trying to get there before training camp so we can be litty. You know, I can do a giveaway for the 300 followers, and we can be lit going into training camp because football season is right around the corner, y'all. It's getting warmer. It's May. The sun is staying up longer, and I'm so excited. I'm so excited. The Washington Commanders are almost ready to take field. Um, News and notes. So this week, um, the NFL schedule is actually going to be released um, this Thursday. So our next episode will probably be a, a schedule, a record prediction. Um, or, yeah, a record projection based off how the schedule is going to go. So I'm excited about the news. I can't wait to look for the news. And be sure to look for, for a new episode of the Bleeding B&G podcast um, over the schedule reveal. So be sure to check us out, uh, pushing that out um, as soon as possible. So thank you guys for the support. I love you guys. I'll be checking in on you guys later. Peace.